The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, good afternoon and welcome. It is good to be here with you today. I hope you are having a wonderful conclusion to your advent. We are almost to Christmas Eve. Can you believe that? Time is just ticking by. It's going so quickly. It's amazing. We'll be in a new year before you before you know it. I hope you're caught up. Your Christmas shopping is done if you're doing that this year. And hope you're getting ready to celebrate with family and have a good time. I'm glad to hang out with you today. I'll be here for a good three hours. I hope you can hang out with me as well. We've got a lot we're going to dive into this afternoon. As always, it's jam-packed. Um, I, I want to talk Christmas movies a little later with you. So I'd love to hear about your favorite ones and why there's a classic that um, seems to always resonate. And uh, Kevin Turley will be stopping by. I also thought it'd be cool as we get to the end of the year, just to give you a quick light, a year in review here at Relevant. Some of the things we've accomplished, where we're going. And, of course, there's some uh, great news. Kale Clark had an interview two days ago where there was some a fascinating revelation regarding the Dead Sea Scrolls. And, you know, I've been covering this story for, well, maybe 15 years now. And whenever new fragments are discovered or, you know, there are, uh, I guess, forgeries coming to light, I try to bring you those issues. The Dead Sea Scrolls were found in Qumran, down by the Dead Sea, and, and what they revealed was was fascinating. But we'll share part of uh, Kale's interview. I think it's it's well worth hearing. And of course, get you up to speed on the latest news and issues of the day. We'll even talk some Christmas music today. All right. Love to love to have you join me anytime. The number here, 888 I almost forgot the most important part of the show, the Chapel of Divine Mercy. It's in about an hour. So if you have a special need or intention, join me, okay? Or, or do me a favor, too, and share Share the chapel with others. It's such an important thing to do. I should probably share with you what the Lord said. I was actually reading about it last night. Um, I was reading a little bit about divine mercy and what the Lord had revealed to St. Faustine about those who spread his mercy. And I've often shared a couple quotes, but I was actually reading the diary and I came across a couple other interesting revelations. And maybe I'll share that with you too. But tell others, get them plugged in. In an hour, we'll pray, especially at this time of year where people are depressed and they're anxious and they're stressed out by finances and suicide rates seem to, to go high where inflation is up. There's a lot of anxiety out there. And I think more than ever, we need to turn to God and, and, and trust. And I think uh, Divine Mercy is a great way to do that. In fact, I'll share something I have been challenged with recently. And uh, you know, I've been praying for that as well. So all that coming up. But let's let's get you plugged in right now to the news. There's a lot happening in the country and in the world. And as always, I try to just keep you in the know of some of the biggest news stories of the day. And uh, what I'm going to share with you here, I think, is shockingly grotesque. Okay? I'll lead with something that, to me, is sickening. You know, um, the Boston City Council has just approved a measure for taxpayer dollars to be used for 12 weeks of parental leave. I mean, imagine that. You get three months of parental leave for women who have abortions. Go and have your abortion. You get three months of paid vacation for it. Thomas Carroll, who's the uh, superintendent of the schools for the Archdiocese of Boston, put it this way. He says this, and I'll quote him. He says, quote, in Boston, a woman who aborts slash kills her child now will be eligible for paid parental leave. Does a parent who kills their child really deserve taxpayer paid 12 weeks vacation as a reward? He called it shockingly grotesque. 
I think those are good words. Uh, yeah, you say to your boyfriend, "Well, we don't really want this. Let's get twelve weeks paid vacation. We'll go to the islands. We'll, you know, it, it's we are so we're so out of step with what's right. I mean, things are so bizarre today. I, I, I just, you know, I don't have I don't have words for it. Meanwhile, in New Jersey, the governor there, a guy named Philip Murphy, uh, he describes himself as someone who spent a lifetime in the Catholic Church. Uh oh, somebody says that, I immediately say what. Well, he applauded a new state policy that allows for non-doctors, again, more the lunacy, okay, non-doctors to perform abortions. Can you believe that? I, I mean, uh, this is a serious medical procedure. I mean, it's a serious medical procedure. Um, you know, you can have, in fact, I, I knew a woman, and her name is Yvonne Florzak-Seam, and great story. Her conversion's amazing. Um, she had to go to the ER after her fifth abortion. Uh, because of a complication. Uh, now you're going to have non-medical doctors performing abortions? It's not a simple procedure. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, you talk about shocking. You know, it, it's, it's bizarre. This is such a holy sacrament for, for the evil one. I mean, uh, they'll do anything, anything possible to make sure that it continues. There's a bloodlust. You know, that that's really what it is. There's there's a tremendous blood loss, and we're, we're seeing it. I mean, common sense gets thrown out, and we advance really just what is macabre behavior. The Catholic News Agency, I, I, they, they were reporting that um, the New Jersey State Board of Medical Examiners, um, they had a vote, and guess what? They unanimously, unanimously decided to eliminate medically unnecessary regulations on abortion and, quote, open new avenues for reproductive health care services across the state. Uh, where's my trash can? I need to throw up. Uh, it's making me sick. Really? Uh, look at these words. Reproductive health care services. What's reproductive about that? Uh, you know, they've, and to see these guys, the, the state board unanimously vote for this. I, you know, I know I sh- I, I'm sorry I'm leading with this. But when I saw this story, and I even said to my my producer today, one of my producers, I said, look, I am so sick of talking about this stuff. I don't even want to bring it forth. I'm sick of religious liberty being attacked. I'm sick of all these gender issues. I'm sick of wokeism and, and, and critical race. I'm sick of abortion. I'm just sick of what's going on. And he's like, you know, we have to, if we stay silent, this stuff's going to creep forward. It's just going to continue to creep forward. You have to make people aware of what's happening in the culture just so that they know just so they don't grow desensitized to this, just so they don't think it's normal. And I, and I think it's a valid point. That, that's why I bring it to you, not to bring you down, not to depress you, right? but to, to pull back the veil. I mean, you and I are called today to make a difference. And we are chosen to live at this particular moment in time, and as we face these evils, and these are evils, this is an intrinsic evil, just as slavery uh, and racism are intrinsic evils. And we're called to, to stand tall, to be a light in the world, to speak truth to power, to pray and to sacrifice and to make a difference. That's what we're called to do. And that's why I bring it to you. Not just so you can get depressed and think, oh my gosh, the news is so ugly, I can't stand even hearing it. I'm with you in that. Believe me, I'm totally with you in that. I didn't want to talk about it. But I think they're a call for us to action. And that's why every day I call you to that. And I ask you to pray for me that I can be vigilant in the mission God has given me here, that I can have clarity and wisdom and discernment and the issues that, that we talk about and, and that I can bring to you. I, I mean that when I say that, please pray for me, pray for me and, and pray that hearts will be open and ears will be open and minds will be open to truth. 
uh, those new regulations, right, where you, you can you don't need a medical license, you don't need to be a doctor to perform an abortion. That uh, you know when they went into effect, they they went into they they perversely went into effect on the feast of Saint Nicholas. <laughs> it's unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. Uh, the state's now going to permit abortions past the 14th week of pregnancy to take place in an office setting. And again, this is the state of New Jersey, neighbors, to, of course, to New York, right? Uh, both of those states, they love abortion. Uh, it's sad. It really, it really is sad. So go to the office. Go have your abortion. It's fine. You know, abortionists, by the way, will no longer be required to have admitting privileges at nearby hospitals. You talk about life. You talk about caring about a woman and her rights. How many women are going to lose their lives because of this decision? Right? Yeah, they don't need. No, we don't need to. You know, you're no longer be required to have admitting privileges. They're not going to be mandated to report on any sort of an abortion-related complication either. You know, they don't need to report that. I'm telling you, lives are going to be lost as a result. So if a woman dies of a punctured uterus, eh, state's not going to care. It's unbelievable. If you are a citizen of the Garden State, if you are a citizen of New York, uh, please, for the love of God, think about the ramifications of this and put into office people who will respect life at all stages, including the woman. I, I mean, I, I see this as a total risk, disregard for, for the woman. It's all about reproductive justice. There's no justice in that when some parent or husband or someone's going to lose a sister. It's horrible. You know, in Western New York, speaking of that state, I, I saw a story this morning that a federal district judge has ruled that um, a wedding photographer there, a person named, uh, oh, I think it was uh, Emily Carpenter, I think that was the name, uh, they have to offer same same services to same-sex couples that she offers to real couples who are getting married. And Carpenter said that with the New York's, you know, they have these anti-discrimination laws. Um, which should really be called for speech laws. Uh, she's facing a $100,000 fine, jail time, even losing her business. So the Alliance Defending Freedom, who was on the air with us yesterday, they're appealing the ruling to the Second Court of Appeals. But there you have, again, another one of these issues. That we're living in a very, we're living in a time of diabolic disorientation. We really, I don't want you to lose hope, though. I want you to have hope. I really do. I want you to have hope. I really believe there are brighter days coming. It's always darkest before the dawn. We gotta, we gotta stay the course. You and I, we're called to make a difference. We are called to make a difference uh, in the culture. Um, a little bit of good news, I guess, if you can say that. The Catholic University of America, uh, the president there is a guy named John Garvey. Do you remember the story? We talked about it maybe two weeks ago. A lot of controversy because they placed a an icon called Mama. And it de depicted the beautiful, you know, Pietà, you know, the work of Michelangelo, where the Virgin Mary's holding her, her dead son. It's a mournful image. Well, they had this icon depicting a Pietà with Jesus looking an awful like George Floyd. They put George Floyd into this image. Uh, the first painting was stolen outside the law school chapel in November. Second smaller copy replaced it. That was stolen a month later in December. And then in an email to the school, uh, Garvey basically said. You know, well, I, I understand people have, you know, different ways of interpreting the painting. He says, regardless of your interpretation, it was created needless controversy and confusion. For that, I'm sorry. And uh, they're not putting it back up. So that is gone. 
Uh, th- there's other news, too, some good news in terms of the uh, Christian aid missionary hostages. Uh, I don't know. I shared the other day, and i got to actually do a follow-up on this story. I-, I had mentioned that they were released. Remember those uh, Haitian missionaries or those missionaries to Haiti who, who were abducted? Uh, they wanted a million dollars ransom per missionary. And I-, I told you last week they were released. But we're finding out today, just discovered this earlier today, that um, – the from the society, the remaining group of 12, they weren't released. They escaped their captors in the middle of the night, a harrowing and very frightful escape. And they made their way back to headquarters by light of the moon and by using the stars for navigation. And a spokesman uh, for them told the kidnappers, you know, we do not know all the challenges you face. We, we you know, we do believe that violence and oppression of others can never be justified. You cause our hostages and their families a lot of suffering. However, they said, Jesus taught us by his own word and his own example that the power of forgiving, that the power of love is stronger than the hate of violence. Therefore, we forgive you. Wow. I I mean, that is absolutely amazing. Uh, and I pray to God I'm never put to that test. Yeah, really, I pray to God because I'm, I'm, I'm weak. But how noble and how Christian, right? How Christ-like. Uh, today's show, a little earlier, um, chronicled or talked a little bit about this heroic escape. I thought I'd share some of that with you right now. Here's, here's, here's more. This morning, new images of the once-captured missionaries now safely back home after the final group of 12 pulled off a stunning escape. When they sensed the timing was right, they found a way to open the door that was closed and blocked, filed silently to the path that they have chosen to follow, and quickly left the place that they were held. The eight adults and four children, including an infant, sneaking out in the dark of night last Wednesday, navigating by stars and moonlight, moving north toward a mountain they recognized in the distance. After a number of hours of walking, day began to dawn, and they eventually found someone who helped them make a phone call for help. They were finally free. Within hours, the group was on a Coast Guard flight to Florida, where they reunited with the other five hostages who were previously released, including 29-year-old Matt Miller, who got out in November, speaking for the first time. Were you allowed to pray when you were held captive? Yes, we were. We we prayed and sang for hours every day. Our captors got a chance to hear the gospel. Um, They got to see what love looks like. The kidnappers had demanded a $1 million ransom for each of the 17 missionaries. It's not clear whether any money was paid. The group was kidnapped in October by a notorious street gang after visiting a local orphanage. Do you forgive them? We forgive them. We long for them to turn their life around. We pleaded with them to to realize the harm they're doing to their own country. We pleaded with them to to find a better way. Security in Haiti, of course, has collapsed following the assassination of its president in July and a devastating earthquake in August. Yeah, it's the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere, and there is untold poverty and incredible uh, suffering in that nation. Uh, remember them in your prayers as well. And uh, let's say a prayer for those missionaries. And let's hope that this does not continue. 
Uh, you know, there's another story. My colleague, uh, Kel Clark, a couple days ago, uh, he did an interview. And as I said, I've been following the, the developments on the Dead Sea Scrolls for years. Dr. John Bersma uh, from Steubenville University is an expert on the Dead Sea Scrolls. And for 15 years, every time a fragment or a new discovery has been unveiled, we've tried to report on it. And uh, these these scrolls, have, they've been a never-ending source of fascination. Uh, you know, of course, that there was... Uh, there were actually very few intact scrolls that were found in Qumran. That's where they were found in caves by the Dead Sea. And uh, some of the material gathered there in those fragments, uh, they've been meticulously put together to make sense of them, right? But uh, in June of 2020, it was reported that both uh, Israeli and Swiss researchers found that there was DNA. And you love technology. You love how things advance. Who knows what's going to happen 100 years from now with our technology. But they're using DNA. They found DNA on the fragments. And they're able to use them to help them put these back in proper order. So you might also re remember there's some controversy over the scrolls when the owners of Hobby Lobby, very generous Christian people, the Green family, they opened up their museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. And they placed some of the fragments that they had purchased in their museum but some researchers said that, you know, after doing some testing, they found that the fragments were fake. Uh, but that was a huge embarrassment to the Green family. They withdrew the fragments from display. But just recently on the Cal Clark show, he had a guest named Dr. Craig Evans. Uh, he's a professor at Houston uh, Theology Seminary and an expert in the New Testament and the Dead Sea Scrolls. And he broke some news with Cal. I thought I'd share part of that conversation with you right here. My guest is... Dr. Craig Evans, Biblical Scholar, for the K.O. Clark Show on Relevant Radio. We've got some breaking news. We've got some breaking news, and obviously you're the author of such books, Dr. Evans, as Jesus and His World, The Archaeological Evidence, uh, a more detailed work of the same nature called Jesus and the Remains of His Day. You founded the Dead Sea Scrolls Institute at Trinity Western University in British Columbia. And you know the value of archaeology for understanding Jesus. And of course, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, it is the greatest, let's face it, archaeological discovery of the 20th century with respect to the Bible is the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were discovered in 1947. And yesterday on the program, I talked a little bit about one of the Dead Sea documents, the Messianic Apocalypse, and what it has to do with Jesus and John the Baptist. But we want to give some people some some real breaking news here that, that has, hasn't broken anywhere else. This is a first here on Relevant Radio. Talk to me, Dr. Evans, about what you recently found out, very recently. I certainly will. And I'll begin with just a brief explanation of the background so that uh, all mm -hmm. of our listeners can understand what's going on. They know what Dead Sea Scrolls are. You talked about what is probably the most important one relating to Jesus, mm -hmm. the one that you talked about the other day. Well, in about 20 years ago, a well-known collector of ancient manuscripts, including Dead Sea Scrolls, his name is Martin Schoen, he's a Norwegian, he gave an interview and he said, oh, I would be willing to give lots of money to get fragments of certain biblical books. And he mentioned Deuteronomy and a few other books, and then one of them that's not in the canon, and that's the Book of Enoch. Yeah. So he mentioned several books by name, and, you know, surprisingly, a few years later, fragments of those very books, leather fragments, leather scrolls from Qumran, that's what they were alleged to be, with Hebrew, of course, began to appear 
on the market. And Mr. Hmm. Scullin bought several fragments. The fragments were made available to others. Uh, the Green family who own or who you know contribute to the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., they bought fragments. So did Azusa Pacific University in California. So did Southwest Baptist uh, Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, and others. And it was all a lot of excitement. This isn't that many years ago. I myself have seen some of these Dead Sea Scroll fragments. Mm -hmm. And then a few years ago, articles appeared, very learned articles, based on scientific testing, using the microscope, saying... Mm -hmm that these fragments are, in fact, fake. The leather is ancient, but the writing was applied mm. very recently. And what was the evidence for that? Some of the ink went over embedded dirt in the, le- in the leather. Okay. Some of the ink jumped over cracks where the other leather had aged and cracks, so the leather was old, but the ink was freshly applied in more recent times. So it was evidence like that. Well, I was huh. just blown away, and this all came out just a few, couple, two, three years ago. Yeah, I, and I, so then it became widely suspected that these fragments were indeed fakes. There are now lawsuits over this. And people paid millions so of thought, dollars oh, well, for these that's, things. Oh my, yes, it's huge. Another, and of course, it was an embarrassment for the Green family. When I say the Green family, this is um, uh, David Green, <clears throat> Steve Green, and so on. They own the Hobby Lobby. And right. they're very devout Christian people, and they, they have built, donated money in order to build the uh, Museum of the Bible in Washington. It's quite a museum, and have purchased thousands of uh, artifacts and mm-hmm. old Bibles and so on that are in this museum. So this was embarrassing, embarrassing and costly. Well, I had the opportunity to, and I'm going to respect his privacy, because he's going to make this announcement himself in a very learned, authoritative history of the Dead Sea Scrolls, which should be published next year. But this fellow is the head of a major international organization that funds and preserves and, and does everything to protect the Dead Sea Scrolls. Mm-hmm. This is an international organization. It's a who's who of scholars and uh, donors and so on for scrolls. Mm-hmm. He told me in person yesterday that these studies are flawed, that really? these are not fakes, that they in fact came from a Palestinian family who gathered the scrolls originally from the Bedouin who found them in the caves. I'm talking about the well-known Kando. That was his nickname. He is, oh, of course, Kando. deceased now. But Kando, and of course, he he has sons and grandsons who still carry on the business. I've been in his antiquities and uh, souvenir shop in Bethlehem several times. I actually was allowed to take a photograph of him in 1992 when he was still living. And apparently, that was a very rare privilege. <laughs> he was very camera shy. Well, I was told in no uncertain terms that these fragments are genuine and they have come from Kando's family collection. After the uh, Six-Day War in 1967, the family had taken all of their scroll fragments, fearing their confiscation at the hands of Yigal Yadin and other Jewish authorities, 
and put them in a safe deposit box in Switzerland. They're still there. It's kind of like, as a Canadian would say, an RRSP, or as an American would say, a 401 or 403K. Yeah. It's basically the retirement plan. And they <laughs> These scrolls are worth, they're worth millions. Time. They're worth millions of dollars. And so when Martin Schoen <clears throat> said 20 years ago, boy, I'd, love to, I'd pay a lot of money for these certain fragments, they went through their collection and picked out fragments to order. And that explains the coincidence, because that's made a lot of people suspicious. Yeah, exactly. A millionaire is saying, oh, I'd buy these fragments, and lo and behold, two or three years <laughs> later, they're available. Well, that's why. So these are genuine. Huh. They're from Kando's ancient collection, and this is going to become common knowledge in, in 2022. I was stunned, because you wanted me on your program today, Kale. I thought, well, you know what? Kale Clark on the Kale Clark Show will be <laughs> the guy who scoops this story. You are the first to make this public. Wow. Well, I'm looking forward to my Pulitzer Prize. And, uh... Well, there you go. That's Kale. And uh, big news regarding Dead Sea Scrolls as more comes to light. We'll continue to bring it to you. Our, our gratitude, uh, of course, uh, for you, uh, tuning in, share that interview too. If you missed anything, you can always go to the archives and uh, listen to it in, in its entirety. Hey, I've got to take a short break. When we come back, uh, I'm going to be joined by our chief executive officer, Father Rocky. Uh, I've invited him to stop by today as we approach the end of the year. And I'll tell you why right after this. The Drew Mariani Show. Hi, Drew. Thank you. Thank you for your show. This is The Drew Mariani Show. Marvelous show on the radio right now. On Relevant Radio. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. listening to the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. You know, I hope you're having a blessed Advent and getting ready for a very Merry Christmas. I know I am. Boy, it's a hectic week for a lot of people, isn't it? I, I was just thinking, where did, the, where did the time go? I mean, it has been a blur, hasn't it? I mean, we are about to celebrate Christmas in just days now. Uh, we'll be in that Christmas season before you know it, or into a new year. And I was just reflecting back on our time together here over this past year, and really over the past uh, several years. I mean, we've made it through COVID together. We've learned about this pandemic and the challenges that have risen from it. And of course, uh, a lot has happened here at Relevant. We were there for you, being able to give you the mass and being able to pray the rosary with you on a daily basis and to pray the chaplet and uh, to kind of be your, your virtual church when, when churches were shut down. And uh, we're making our way out of it. Life is resuming. But boy, God has been so good to all of us, hasn't he? I, I was looking back just on the year here at Relevant, and I thought, you know what, I, as we get ready to wrap up this year and, and enter into a new one, I thought it'd be great to talk with our chief executive officer, Father Frank Hoppen. You know him as Father Rocky. He prays the rosary every evening with you, the rosary across America. And if you are not praying that, Feel free to join in. I know we'd love to have you. 7 Central, 7 p.m. Central, 
And uh, it's a powerful time of prayer, and the prayer family there is huge. So uh, it's such a great place to pray. I, I often join him. He joins me today, and it's good to have him, as always, behind the mic. Padre, good afternoon. Hey, Drew, great to be with you. It's been an awesome year this year. Thanks be to God. Thanks to our listeners and all that. One of the big highlights, I think it was very exciting, is when we were able to distribute over 100,000 copies of your Divine Mercy book. You've been on air for years doing the Divine Mercy Chaplet live every day at 3. And when I read that book, um, the thing that really jumped out at me was the first um, chapter about the conversion of that fellow who had tried to kill St. John Paul II, Mehmet Aliachka. Somehow that story, um, I never saw that in the news. The the news didn't, I don't know, uh, publicize it. That's a huge story, but it was in your book and it was really a page turner. So that's one of the big highlights of the year. It was amazing. We published a lot of books in 2022. Mine was just one of a number. I know I endorsed Marriage Insurance, which is a, a you know, mm-hmm. a book that everybody loves. And of course, um, you know, a lot of other great things were, were released that year as well. Bring us back, Father. Take us through the year, if you could. I mean, because really, this is a credit not just to you or to me or to anybody behind the scenes here at Relevant. It's our listeners. They've done so much. I, you know, I know we are expanding our reach. Some of this data. In fact, I think you sent an email out a couple of days ago. I remember seeing it just in terms of the numbers of people returning to confession and to mass. They're off the charts. Sure it is. You know, and we we make plans every year in December for the following year, and often one or two months into the year, new opportunities come our way, and uh, we take advantage of it. So um, at the beginning of the year, we never even thought of the Mary Beggars uh, Theater Company coming to Relevant Radio. Now they're out of the gate, and they've done just a great job with their Christmas series, A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Uh, but, you know, in terms of the year 2021 review, we, uh, we when I say we, it's not just you and me or everyone here at Radio. It's all of our listeners and our supporters because they're all very much part of this. But together we delivered close to 200 million hours of listening. That's amazing. Wow. 200 million hours of listening at uh, something like, I don't know, uh, 10 cents per person per hour. Um, because we don't have to build buildings to get the message out. We deliver the message here in your car, right? You pay for your car, we pay for the message, and that's where we're so inexpensively. And we did another listener survey this year. Uh, back in the spring, we do it every two years. We sent it out to about 50,000 of our listeners, and within two days, we had more than 10,000 responses. And what did we learn? We learned that 20% of those who responded claim that something they heard on Relevant Radio moved them to come back to Sunday Mass. I just think about that. That's huge. And Bishop Aaron will tell you, for every one person, one person who joins the church this year in America, six will stop practicing. Well, that's not really positive news, right? It's kind of depressing. But we've got really good news, and that is of every 100 people who responded to that survey, 100 listeners who responded, 20 had come back to the church, and, uh, and nobody left. You know, so that's that's the power of this. And then 45 percent have come to confession and 84 percent pray more. So it's a tremendously uh, effective and impactful platform we're doing. Thanks be to God. Thanks to all of our listeners who do things. You know, another book that I was really happy um, it really took off was Treasures on the Rosary. Treasures well, on the Rosary. That, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we uh, sent a, uh, this book we put together, which was a reflection on the um, titles of Our Lady from the Litany of Loretto which I had written last year, 2020, during that 54-day rosary for the needs of the church and the nation in the autumn. And then we got a copy of um, 
the Holy Rosary book by St. Josemaria. We put that in there. And also St. John Paul II's uh, apostolic letter from 2003 in which he presented to the church the Luminous Mysteries. So that was really popular. Some 80,000 people raised wow. their hand for that and we were able to bring it to them. So, you know, several hundred thousand free books were uh, distributed to people. So people said, well, how can you do it for free? Well, um, the, read the question. The question is why we do it for free. And the reason we do it for free is because Jesus said, freely you have received, freely uh, you shall give. Freely you have received, freely you shall give. And it's totally free. We pray for the printing, the writing, the distribution, the postage, and all that. But we also include a little reply envelope for people if they feel moved. And like one out of 20 people feel moved, they make a donation and somehow it covers the cost for it. And we're able to reach many, many more people uh, because of that. So that was yeah. that was absolutely fabulous, right? Speaking of the rosary too, Father, I mean, the Rosary Across America uh, started during the pandemic, but continues to uh, grow audience and more and more people are discovering the, the power of that, that incredible prayer. Uh, you've had a great year this year, haven't you, on the, on the Rosary Across America? Right. Thanks be to God. We've got a great team in the background. At any given night, eight to ten people are involved in, um, pro in in producing it. And then in our audience out there, everybody kind of tells um, their friends, hey, don't disturb me at seven o'clock because I'm going to be doing the Family Rosary Across America. And we had a 50 percent growth in our online streaming this year. We think uh, each evening between 7 and 7.30 p.m., more than 100,000 people tune in for it. And then once it's on the app on demand, you know, it circulates through the world and we get um, we get a lot of uh, yeah. mileage from that. And yeah. so we're really grateful for that. Um, I find it very easy to do. And, and what I think uh, enthuses me the most is we know we have young children praying the rosary with their family. And um, down through history, you've probably heard the quote, give me a child for five years and, and, and you can have them the rest of your life. You know, those first five, yeah. six, seven years of a child's formation are very, very important. We have a lot of young children praying with their families. They're passing on the faith. I tell them every night, you have no idea how important this is that you guys are showing up for the rosary every night. And now we're on to this 405-day rosary novena. <laughs> First run ever probably in the history of the world. I have a hard time saying it with a straight face. Like, wait a second. I thought Novena was nine a days. I said, novena. yeah, but this just happened to be 45 nine-day Novenas. We're doing a 405-day no Rosary Novena praying for a miracle. Right? Yep. We're praying for an end to legal abortion in our country. And many people I know out there have often been skeptical about prayer. They write a lot. They have their opinions um, and all the rest. But I just don't think they believe or have experienced the power of prayer, but we have here at Relevant Radio. Yeah. I now tell people, look, folks, prayer is more powerful than politics. You can have all the politics you want. You can have all your agitation and uh, all sorts of activism. But when it comes right down to it, it really moves. Yeah. History is God's intervention, is grace. And what wins is grace is prayer. And the great thing about that is you can be a complete amateur to pray. You can be a four-year-old and your prayer is powerful. You can be on your deathbed so and your prayer is powerful. You could be distracted. The phone could ring and the toast could burn and you could spill the make of milk and the baby could cry and that prayer is powerful. So people yeah. join us every night. And you know what, Drew? Yeah. Yes. We have produced 359 fresh 
episodes of the Family Rosary Cross America wow. tonight. The only time we do an encore is between Christmas and New Year's. So that's wow. got to be some sort of record, you know? Well, God bless you for doing that. It's a lot of sacrifice. You know what it's like to have to try to do a live program every day, and I know it's important. Well, I tell people, I'm why should they show up if I don't show up, right? Yeah. You I can't it. say, hey, show up for the rosary. You know, I'll, I'll join you in a month. No, that's well, there's something work. you know. Yeah. There's, there's a power to being live too, Father. Right? You know, when people call oh, in yeah. in that moment, they have those intentions, and you see the fruit of it all the time. I just love it. You know, and, and I, I want to thank you personally, um, just all on the air here, just for you know what relevant is doing for the country because because you, you're right. I mean, politics are they're empty. They're not going to solve the problems. There are mechanisms that bring about change, but it's prayer that animates that particular change. And not only are we praying the chapel, we're praying the rosary, we have adoration, we have mass. But we started a campaign that I really think is having a profound impact, not just on the Supreme Court, but on the nation at large in particular. It has to. What we might see, 400 million, 300 million memoraries, and then 400 million this November. And I, I don't know how many memoraries it's going to take, but boy, we are no, taking I don't away either. the prayer. No, that's why we started it. All right, so how did I get into this memorary kick? Um, when I was back in Pittsburgh in 96, we started a school called Aquinas Academy, and everybody told us, well, you guys don't know what you're doing. And we said, you're right, we don't. <laughs> and say, so, you don't have any money. And we said, you're right, we don't. You don't have any experience. And we said, you're right again, we don't, but we're going to do it anyway. And um, right around that time, Mother Teresa, God bless her soul, may she rest in peace, and she does, she's a saint, died. And at that time, the Bishop of Pittsburgh, it was um, Bishop uh, World, who would go on to be Cardinal World, made sure every priest who was working in the diocese got a copy of Mother Teresa's book called Mother Teresa in My Own Words. And there's a chapter in there, Devotion to Our Lady, where she writes, when she was starting her work among the lepers and the poor and the abandoned Calcutta, she needed a building. She didn't have any money. And so she decided to pray 85,000 memoraries. It's an odd number, but it's a huge number. After one day, she realized she could never do that herself. So she taught the prayer to everyone working with her and even the sick and the dying were even Catholic. And by the time before they got even halfway there, the building was theirs. And I said, wow, that's all you have to do. Pray like a gazillion memoraries and things happen. So we started Aquinas Academy. We said, well, we need to pray a million memoraries. Took them eight years to do it. But by the end of it, it's the best Catholic school in Pennsylvania. They've got wonderful facilities, sports fields. I don't think they've got any debt. And I've repeated that at other places, Embers Elementary School in Chicago, Northridge Prep. And when I started at Relevant Radio, I said, hey, we need to pray a memory on our every hour during pledge drive. And bada bing, since 2006, we've had the resources we need. And so when we did the merger with Mac at Heart um, two, three years ago, I said, okay, well, now we get this big um, – this big network, let's see what this baby can do. Let's roll it out. Let's do a memory on air every hour for an end to abortion. Now we're up to 400 million and some. And I never knew at the beginning how much he's going to take to kind of bulldoze the devil out of the way of this plan he has for killing the human race. You know, we really need some mega power. And it's really credit to you, our show hosts and our listeners and the bishops who've gone our, on air uh, saying that memory. But um, we'll, we'll just keep doing it. Well, that sounds great. Father, stay with me. When we come back, I want to see what lies ahead in the not-too-distant future. We'll take a peek at the coming year as well. My guest, uh, Father Frank Hoffman, if you want to join us, feel free to. I'm going to sound off in terms of what Relevant Radio has done for you, what it has meant for you, or any suggestions or ideas. I'll open the phones just for a quick minute at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Look forward to talking with you.
Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester. The Drew Mariani Show is on Relevant Radio. So good to be with you today. Hey, we're just taking a look as we approach you know, the end of the year here. Where we've come. 2021 has, it's a blur to me. It has just zipped by. We're getting ready for a new year. I know God has great things in store for us. In fact, we'll be praying the chaplet coming up here in just a moment. But I've invited Father Frank Hoppin, Father Rocky, our Chief Executive Officer, to join us today just to give us a look at you know what you have made possible because really we're all in this together. It is you that are such a big part of all this. And we got great things in store. God is working in a powerful way to change, I believe, the culture and to serve the church and to help deepen, hopefully, your walk with him. Father, it's good to have you with you. I, I do want to talk a little bit about what is coming in the future. I know we're now uh, in, in Chicago. There are beautiful studios being uh, built there. People can stop by and visit. But before we even talk about that, Maggie and I were talking off air just a little bit about uh, if if the network was blessed with a billion dollars, if you were given a billion dollars, what would you do? If I were given a billion dollars, personally, I'd donate it to Relevant Radio. And <laughs> But before I would donate it, I'd call up Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg and, you know, these super wealthy people. Ask them if they want to make a match, right? Because people like okay. a match. Hey, I'll give a billion if you give a billion. Then we'd have to do a little salesmanship of why Relevant Radio is like the most important thing going on in the United States right now, if not in the world, because we're fully fulfilling our Lord's mandate to go out into the world and spread the good news, right? We're doing something that can save souls for eternity. And that might lead to some interesting conversations. But if we had the ca- we had that cash liquid, I would go out and buy big FM stations in every big city in our country. And I'm still really big on radio because radio is in every car. There's hundreds of millions of cars out there. And radio is free and easy. We do everything on Digital Highway 2, the app and all that. But we measure it very quick, very, very, um, uh, very consistently. We know that your first choice in a car is the radio, AM or FM, because it's free and easy. So that's what I do. And then if I had another billion dollars, I'd buy up billboards because billboards along expressways are sort of a breakthrough media. Um, it's not as congested out there. You know, apps and websites, there's billions of those out there, or millions. But uh, there's a limited number of billboards, there's a limited number of stations. And what we're competing for here, um, Drew, is time spent listening. Americans are exposed to mass media more than 10 hours a day today. That's up a 1,000% in 100 years. And that's where the battle for the mind of the Americans is. That's where the battle for the soul of the church is. It's in media. We live in the information age. And we, it's very important for us to understand we do not live in the Stone Age. We don't live in the Iron Age. We don't live, okay, maybe you can call it the nuclear age, but we live in the information age. And it's really what moves the economy and the consumer spirit throughout the world. So the church has to be involved in it. So if I had a billion or if somebody listening right now would like to donate a billion, uh, we could make that happen, right? And uh, we'd spend it right away. And we, we'd go out and buy stations and um, continue to grow this because we know how much good it does for people. Oh, my goodness, it does so much good. You hear that on your show every day with the Divine Mercy Chaplet. So coming up this year, we're hoping for more growth. God has blessed us with an awesome new building in uh, the Chicago area, and we're re- renovating the first floor into audio studios, video studios, a chapel, a media center, a welcome center. And uh, we've, we've been just tremendously blessed with that. So full speed ahead. 
Yeah, well, you know, uh, great things have happened this year. Also, the Merry Beggars were a great addition. That is Weren't something they a hit? That, that was brand new. <laughs> you, you, you know, everything that is old is new. You know, I, I often say this. If you look at television and you watch Hawaii Five O growing up, they have it. You know, today the same show Hawaii. Five-0. These things all get regurgitated. Get fashion styles are slightly changed, but radio theater was something that was so successful in the past. And today you think, well, there's not a whole lot of really radio theater out there. There's talk. There's a lot of other music formats. So I thought this was such a novel idea, but it's something when pe- people love podcasts. You take a long trip or you take a walk or you're doing your chores. Something like what we're doing right now with the Merry Beggars is a way to edify and enrich and deepen one's faith. And it really is radio theater done and uh, par excellence. it has been phenomenally successful. The number of people listening to it and listening to it every day, it's so well produced. We really were blessed to meet Peter Atkinson last February. A friend of mine who's an attorney out in D.C. had met him, found out that Peter wanted to do radio theater. He told uh, Peter about relevant radio. Then he called me up and said, I met this young guy who likes to do radio theater. I said, Jerry, radio theater went out with television about 70 years ago. Nobody does radio theater. He said, well, this kid does it. You know, talk to him. So I picked up the phone. We talked about two minutes into it. Uh, Peter, he had me convinced, and we're very fortunate he and his uh, uh, theater production companies joined us, and this is just the beginning. Or it's be, because um, that's part of the space of media out there is entertainment, and we need to be able to provide trustworthy, wholesome, inspiring entertainment to people. You know, when I was chaplain at the boys' school at Northridge Prep, sometimes the students ask me, Father, can I listen to this music or that music or see this movie or that movie? And I said, look, I'm not going to be your babysitter. But I'm going to give you a question to reflect on. Ask yourself, does that movie inspire you to be a better person? Does that book inspire you to be a better person? Does that song inspire you to be a better person? That's what you want. Is it going to build you up or is it going to drag you down? Is it going to make you uh, more of a virtuous person, a good person, that kind of person that you really want to be or not? And that's what's going to be um, the message through this new type of entertainment. Telling human stories, telling great stories, and but in a way that, that inspire people. You know, that's what A Christmas Carol is all about. From a grouchy, stingy, son of a gun, Scrooge, who when he sees his life through the eyes of others, he changes, right? His heart is changed. And, you know, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, it's a variation on the same theme, isn't it? And Zacchaeus, uh, who meets Jesus in Jericho, it's a, it's a, it's you know a variation on the same theme. One of my great uh, favorite authors is Willa Cather, American author. She wrote "Death Comes to the Archbishop" and also "O Pioneers." One of the great lines from "O Pioneers" is, "There's only two or three human stories, but they go on repeating themselves so fiercely as if they've been never told before." And so that's the job of the Mary Beggars, to tell stories, tell stories that will will inspire you, will encourage you, and move you. And so we're so blessed that um, they've joined us, and we're looking forward to great things in the years to come. But what's the future of Relic Radio? That depends entirely upon God's grace in our audience, what they move us to do. That's, you know, we're all in this together. We all, you know, if you got your part to play, I've got my part to play, but it really comes down to our audience. What do they want to uh, provide so that we can move forward? So big things coming for 2022 that I'm, I'm expecting. Yeah. Who knows? The Cubs might win the world series. Too. <laughs> ah. Well, father, it's always good to, to talk with you and, and have you on. The hey, did you buy your Christmas gifts yet? 
You know, I'm not completely done, to be honest with you. <laughs> Did you get anything <laughs> for your wife, Kathy? Time flies. I, I, I can't share right, that on the air. I'll, I'll be thrown under the bus here. Give Kathy her gift. What are you doing it's, to me? <laughs> it's on the air now. you got, you got to get Kathy her gift. That is, I, I swear, I, as I started, I mean, time, this, this year has just been a blur. I don't know where the time has gone. So, yeah, no, I still have some work to do. And uh, we're grateful for you and for having you here with us today. And hey, It's great to you know, be with you and your audience. We'll really catch up again you. soon. All right. And All right, God tonight, bless you. Merry everybody can pray everyone. with you tonight. So the rosary is yeah. live. Rosary at seven. Yep. All right, you seven central. You can join Father Rocky for the rosary. Of course, we will pray the Chaplet of Divine Mercy coming up in just a moment or two. Maggie, I don't know if I have time for this call, but maybe I can address it on the other side. Uh, Patrick in California says, when we offer the Divine Mercy prayer, um, you know, we offer the body, blood, soul, and divinity. Um, how can we do that? So that's a question that comes up a lot. We can address that, and we'll also uh, we'll also pray when I return. All right. So if you want to get in for the chaplet, I do encourage you to to dial in right now. The number is triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. We are live, and we'll take your intentions. Um, I'll ask you to pray for me again today. And you know, I, I prayed a novena of chaplets yesterday. I did a novena. I did nine. I actually did 10 chaplets, but I did a novena of chaplets the other day uh, for something that was going on uh, that needed a prompt uh, resolution. And I'll see how it turns out. And I said to my wife, you know, um, if things are always you know, sailing smoothly, it's easy to say, oh, I trust in God. But when you face challenges to your faith, right? When you, cha- when you face obstacles, when you're actually tested, Those are great opportunities to really step out of the boat, walk on the water towards Christ, and trust that he's got your hand. So uh, let's trust together for each other. Let's implore the God, our Lord's great mercy. We'll do it together when I return.